0: Father this morning, we just thank you, Father, we just thank you, we just thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, your word says do not grow weary, sluggish. But it's through faith and patience we inherit the promise of God. We come to the ministry of the word for the endurance, the comfort, The word brings, O Lord, scripture brings, O Father. And I pray today we would be strengthened and comforted through the scriptures. For this purpose it was written, Lord, for us upon whom the end of ages have come. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah. So last week, we heard from Pastor Vijay about Enoch being rapture-ready, right? Yeah, being rapture Why do we look at the last days and the people, specific people who are connected with the last days? There are certain people in the Bible who are connected as illustrations of the last days. One being Enoch, another being Noah. Another being Lot, another being Elijah, and of course Lot's wife too. Remember her, the Lord said, and Jesus gave us the signs, okay, these signs, and we know these signs, we know about deception, we know about war, we know about pestilence, we know about earthquakes, we know about fear, all these things, but remember. Though these things were there in the beginning, it was not known. Even when Second World War took place, there were places on earth where people were absolutely, totally untouched. They really had no clue what was taking place. But that is not so now. So when these things were written, it was specific, though it was general in warning, it is specific to a certain generation. When you're talking about wars, our generation, there's no way our generation, any part of the world will not know about it. When you talk about earthquakes, it is not possible. We do not know about it. We talk about pestilence and COVID was an example. I don't think there was any nation on earth which was not shut down. Everything was shut down. So when we see these things, we see we are that generation okay, us, our children, we become that generation, that's why we need to be very, very careful, very, very, we cannot be, we do not have the comfort of the previous generations who did not, did not even know what was happening, so we come, today we will look at, we're looking at personalities, but we are also looking at the lessons they teach us. Like we said, there are, there is the person of God, there are the principles of the kingdom, and then there are patterns. Patterns, and patterns are usually seen through the lives of people. But the primary purpose is that at the end of it, we have faith. Okay, my righteous shall live by faith. And God says that means at some point in our life, faith should have permeated into every facet of our being. Like sight touches our, our life, it has to be replaced completely by faith. My righteous shall live by faith. And we know the foundation like, uh, it's like the pizza base, you want pizza, but when you're talking about pizza, you don't think about the base, you always think about the topping, right? But there is this base, and that is the knowledge of God, okay? is the knowledge of God. You cannot have faith in anything or anybody, anything or anybody, if you do not have knowledge about that thing or that person. The knowledge about a thing matters, Okay, uh, knowledge about a thing matters. When you are buying a product, when you are buying a product, usually people do a study on that product. Different companies may make the same product. But when you have read up, you ask a few people, especially if it's expensive, then you realize, you know what, I would go with this because the knowledge of that product and the knowledge of the company that makes it gives you more faith in that product the same thing with God too. You cannot have faith in God without the knowledge of God. But that does not mean the knowledge of God produces faith. Okay, I have absolute confidence in the knowledge of uh, German engineering but we end up buying something else because it's more expensive. And it actually works with God. People have the knowledge of God but they think it's too difficult to walk with Him. It's too much. It's too much to, I mean, it's, 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 his standards are too high. I, I don't want. Maximum I want. I just want to be saved. Nothing beyond. Just leave me alone. It's too much. It's too, there are a lot of people though, those who make those decisions. Okay. It's too much to walk with this God. Okay. Too much to walk with this God. So we need to realize, but it doesn't work like that, especially in those last days because in the last days, there is something that is told. It is the warning of his huge falling away. Huge falling away. Therefore, the last generation cannot be complacent like the previous generations. I'm not saying they were complacent. Okay? They were complacent, but we cannot be. So faith comes in. That's the primary purpose. We come, we gather, hoping that it will generate faith more faith, stronger faith, increase our faith, our faith will get stronger. Because God says we live by faith, we are asked to walk by faith, it is impossible to please him without faith. And then he says the three great things are faith, love, and hope. And in Hebrews 11.1 1, I'm just giving you scriptures which you know you don't need to put it up on the screen. If you do it, it's fine. He connects faith and hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So the genuineness of your faith is always connected with your hope. What are you hoping for? You can have temporal hope within the will of God. It is fantastic. You can have eternal hope which should define your life. There are people in the Bible, in Hebrews 11, when they had a where when Joshua was fighting that battle, it was temporal. You're fighting for a land that was temporal. They are not going to live there forever. But they're going to look there for their lifetime. But the issue was that after possessing that temporal space, temporal space, and having rest from all their enemies, they forgot to look into the eternal. Therefore, the next generation was not prepared. Prepared. They forgot that the God of Abraham is the God of Isaac. The God of Isaac is the God of Jacob, that this one thing has to be passed on. In this temporal life which we live, what is eternal is God. So the Joshua generation forgot to pass the eternal even though they use faith for the temporal. And we can do all that. We can do that. We can actually believe in God for the best for our children. Fight that good fight. We can prosper. We can have all these things. But if we have not passed on that knowledge of the holy to our next generation, we have failed in the eternal. Therefore, the Bible says, a generation rose that did not know God. Okay? So it is not that Faith is not transmitted into the temporal. If you are living by faith, then the temporal is affected by faith. But that's where the hope comes. If we have hope only in this life in Christ Jesus, okay, then we are the most pitiable of men, okay? Not miserable, pitiable. Why pitiable? Because you got everything for this life and then you go through the fire and you realize you ended up in heaven with nothing. When you had the chance of of, like, let's, let, let us lay it, no? Let us, uh, I don't know what you call those, uh, IITs. What kind of schools do you call it? Ivy League, no? That's schools. So let's say you, you, you sit and you slog and, uh, you go through the IIT entrance and you get into one of the top IITs and after five years, you just come out without passing. I mean, look at the amount of time and energy and not only your parents' resources, the government's resources. Okay? India is one of those nations in the world where the government, yeah, please shut the door, government puts in so much into training people at the higher level, the amount of investment, not like other countries. Other countries, you pay through your nose. And private foundations and scholarships are not in India. The amount of money the government of India spends on producing a doctor or an engineer. And then they take a degree and they go. That's why we call it the brain drain. Okay, the brain drain. Okay, I mean, you cannot stop them. But basically, that's what happens. So imagine all that energy and effort and everything put in, And you actually end up as nobody. You you drop out of I mean, you, can, you hear about dropping out of school, but you dropped out of IIT after all that, after five years or four years. Okay. the same thing. After everything by faith, getting it on earth, you end up with nothing on earth, in heaven. Okay? Nothing in heaven. I'm not, I'm, it's it's, it's anyway best place to be, better than hell. But that's what the Bible is talking about. So hope has to be there. That hope of glory Christ in us and then God brings love also over there and we saw that in first Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 2 you see God bringing over there and Galatians five things though I have the gift of prophecy understand all mysteries all knowledge and though I have all faith not some faith or most faith all faith so that I could remove mountains meaning I face no barriers in my life there is no barrier that i have not been able to overcome it doesn't matter how the how high the mountain is i have been able by faith to remove it so that i could remove mountains but have not love when you slip over to the translated onto the other side you realize you are nothing you are nothing so we have to be very 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 careful yeah, the door is not shut yet okay i can see the light from here because of the ac only because of the AC. We don't want the air escaping. Okay. So, we have to see how important it is that, I mean, we don't understand because you have to look at eternity. And for us who are in this last generation, eternity is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Okay. It is getting closer. Okay. And famine is coming. Famine is coming. If you don't have ask the data from our Young man from Chennai. He deals with shipping. And he says the shipping companies doesn't matter war or not, they make their money by their shipping. But he says famine is coming because food is not moving. It is not moving. From Ukraine it is not moving. From Russia, it is not moving. Two of the large producers of wheat, it's not moving. Famine is coming. Because many of the smaller countries are dependent upon those two nations for their food it is coming supply chain is broken everywhere okay so we need to you need look at this these things are all happening these things are all happening it will come it will it will hit us we won't realize it little by little by today the price of gas petrol is 110 in Hyderabad. Okay, It's going up. They're doing it very nicely. Every day, 80 paisa. Every day, 90 paisa. Okay. They're not raising it by 10 rupees, but every day it's going up. So after 10 days, it's gone up by 10 rupees. But because it's slow, it's like the frog in the water, right? You put it on simmer, that fellow doesn't get out. And he sit there and dies. So we need to realize that India, the government is very good. They put us on the simmer. Okay. But we... Okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. And it touches everything. It touches everything. When the price of gas goes up, okay, price of gas goes up, it touches everything. So we look at all these things and we need to realize, you know, Lord, I need to have genuine faith. I need to have genuine love. I need to have hope here and there. Here also. If I have no hope here, then I will be like Lazarus. Now, I don't want to live like Lazarus sitting outside the rich man's. Gate and eating scraps and friends with dogs, he had only hope in eternity. He had no hope here, and God is not asking us to live like that. Unless it is for righteousness' sake, we refuse to compromise and we say no. That's the last part of Hebrews eleven. Okay, that's a different thing. That was not Lazarus' case. He was living in Israel, the promised land, like a beggar. Okay, I mean at least he reached on the other side. Okay, so our hope, our love, our faith—all has to be absolutely on the right thing. And that's where, when we come for the hearing of the word of God, we need to be absolutely, absolutely tuned in. Don't let your mind wander around, because you know what? It is not getting easier. It's not getting easier. If you're not growing stronger on your faith, this is the problem with the spiritual thing. If you're not growing stronger in the word, in faith, you're getting weaker. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. It's no stationary position. It's not stationary. It is a fight. It is a battle. And God doesn't mince words. Paul says it is a fight. It is a battle. He tells Timothy over and over, fight, fight, fight. It's a battle. You have to battle yourself with your senses, with your sight. So we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. The Bible says in Hebrews 12. But look unto Jesus, who is the author. So when your faith begins, Christ begins. That's where you need to realize. You the, See, everybody has faith. There's nobody in the world who does not have faith. Because if you do not have faith, you will not be able to survive. We are not talking about faith in God, but general term faith. Everything we do is by faith. Why did you come here today? Because you believed that there would be a meeting. You got a text in the morning, and you believed the people who sent the text will keep it up. You came by faith. okay? Not in God, but in man. Uh, This place has not disappeared. It is there. Okay. You had faith in all these things. Internet would work. No system would be there. All these things you had. So, there is something called faith, right? When you woke up in the morning, you put your feet on the ground because you had faith in your legs. You didn't check for, how many of you checked your legs? When he came and sat down on the chairs, how many went on your four knees and checked the four legs before you sat down? You know, you cannot live life without faith. Impossible. Now we are not talking about that faith. Faith is a natural part of a human life. That's the way we are. We we live by faith. Okay, we live by faith. Not animals. Not animals. They don't rationalize and think that way. Okay, but we are, they have, their faith is a different kind altogether. But we are talking about God here. Faith in God. And that's the most important part. Ultimately, that's the most important part. If you go to 1st Peter chapter 1, and we read from 6 to 9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by great various trials. He says, when you're walking by faith, you will have trials, but you are still rejoicing. Why? That the genuineness of your faith, our faith has to be proved genuine, being much more precious than gold, that perishes. Gold perishes, but your faith should not perish, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the day of judgment or when rapture takes place. When that takes place, your faith should bring you praise, glory, and honor. Christ in you is revealed. That's what it means, revelation of Jesus Christ. The Christ in us is will be revealed. When the Christ in is revealed, will it bring us praise? Will it bring us honor? Will it bring us glory? Okay, and verse 8, whom having not seen you love. So now love is brought there. If faith is towards the person of Jesus Christ looking unto the other, the other question is that, do we really love Jesus? though now you do not see him. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. And what is the end of faith? Receiving the end of your faith. There is an end of faith. What is that? The salvation of our souls. We are sitting here in the body, but the word is not for the body. The word is for the soul. The body is just a vessel. The vessel, okay, the container. But the word is for the soul. And the end of faith... Is the salvation of the soul. Our soul has to be completely, totally permeated by faith, and therefore the righteousness of God. So we saw the heroes of faith. Of course, it begins with Abel. And Abel denotes worship, Okay, our life. See, uh, when you look at this word, worship, it comes, if I'm right, from an old English term, medieval term, which is called worthy of a relationship. Worthy of a relationship. Okay. Our worship is when we and God. Okay. It's like two people. It is fellowship with God. It is worship. Okay. So our life, life of faith begins with worship. No, we consider God worthy of a relationship and God bends down and says, you are worthy of a relationship with me. That's where it begins. Okay, really. And Abel is the one who shows us the way. And Abel, with this recapping, shows us three things that you come to God only through blood. The mercy of God, the blood of Jesus. You only come through him by keeping him first. Many of us may be struggling in our relationship with God because we haven't learned the first lesson that is of Abel. What is that? Putting God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Okay. We do not probably have that relationship with God and we probably are not even worshipping. We are not able to worship at all. We sing, but we don't worship. Okay. We are not able to worship because to worship, God has to be put first. And at the first lesson, Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice. What is that? First, he did not rely on himself. He came through the blood. Second, he put God first. He put God bringing the firstlings. Third, he brought his abundance, which is represented by fat. Okay? So three things which Abel taught us. And after that, we had Enoch. Is there somebody there? Oh, 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 oh okay, okay, okay. How do you have a chair there, you can sit there? Okay, so we have, after that, we have Enoch coming in. Okay, and we learn about Enoch. We learn much about Enoch. And what happens is, Enoch, we have only one testimony. What is that? He walked with God. But remember, you cannot have Enoch if you do not have Abel. Abel showed us the way to go. People try to walk with God without worshiping God. I'm telling you, it is not possible. It's not possible. You cannot walk with God unless you worship God first. Because God, God is not a man with whom you can just walk, okay? I'm honestly, I'm telling you, it's because we have lived in a democracy we don't understand, because I grew up in a a kingdom. You cannot walk with the king unless, until you have shown him the reverence. Even his ADC walks one step behind him. Nobody walks with him. Nobody walks with him. Okay, his ADC walks one step, the RBG, the Royal Bodyguards walk before and behind. He usually walks alone. It's only somebody who can walk with him, is the Queen. Okay, so we need to realize unless we have worshipped, worship is giving him his rightful place, we cannot walk with him. It is impossible to walk with him. If we have, do not put God first, and do not give God our best, we are not walking with him, we are walking behind him. We are not walking with him. But the testimony of Enoch is not that he walked behind God. That's also a kind of walk in the Bible mentioned in the book of Malachi. But it is walking with God. So Enoch taught us a lesson that man can actually walk with God. And it is not a small thing. It's a huge, huge thing to walk with God. It's a sign of spiritual life to walk. Either you walk before God or with God or behind God, it is a sign of spiritual life you see if uh, let us say harry is here uh harry is alive but if harry is dead you see in movies right you can prop him up on a seat and keep his eye put a hat and put it down and you will think the person is alive you can prop up a dead body in a sitting position you can prop up a dead body in standing position also right but you cannot make a dead body walk only living people walk with god Only the living walk with God. A sign of life of spiritual life is actually that you walk with God. Okay, Whichever way, behind, before, with, whatever. But a sign of life. Otherwise you are dead, you are just propped up in church. In sitting position or standing position. But you are not walking with God. Walking is a sign of life. Walking is a sign of life. Because you cannot make a dead body walk. You can seat it, you can cause it to stand, but you cannot make it walk. So get these things. So when the Bible says we are called to walk by, walk by faith and not sight, and Enoch walked with God, don't take it lightly. The more you walk with God, and the more closer you walk with God, what is actually increasing in you is life. Life, right? The small ones and the older ones. Uh, struggle to walk or run, but the young ones are full of energy because they are full of life. Okay? But this is eternal life that you may know, may know God and His Son Jesus. This is eternal life. So your walk with God is the proof of your eternal life. Eternal. So if you do not have that eternal life, it doesn't remain vacuum. It is replaced or along with it goes the other life, the old life, the old man's life, the life from below. There's a life from above and a life from below. Okay, So don't remember, don't think that if you don't have only little eternal life, the rest of it is vacuum. So it is okay. No, there is no vacuum in your soul. There's no vacuum in your soul. It is always replaced by something else. But we are asked to replace this old soul life with the life of God. So we are called to walk. So let's look at Noah today, and Hebrews chapter eleven and verse uh, seven is Noah By faith, that's how it begins, okay By faith. you take faith out, Noah is nobody in the Bible. You put faith, his history comes in. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. That's the key. Faith is always talking about things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. He was divinely warned of things not seen. We are also divinely warned of things not seen. Any hour, any second, in the twinkling of an eye, the believing, prepared, walking church will be taken away. We have been warned, divinely warned. Or it is appointed unto every man to die once. After that, it is judgment. The question is, has any living man seen judgment in heaven? No. Nobody has seen it. We have heard about it. We haven't seen it. But it, we have been divinely warned of death. We have been divinely warned about rapture. We have been divinely warned of tribulation. Noah was divinely warned. But what's the difference? He moved. That is action. Faith without action, works, is dead. He moved, he moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Okay, His very movement or his very work judged the world, it condemned the world okay not that when he did it the world was very happy with him or anything but is very they actually mocked him they scoffed him and uh, they insulted him all that what probably if you look at scripture probably what happened but they they didn't realize he was judging them and they were being judged they were being judged that's a simple question god is asking whatever you are building okay is it because of a divine warning according to divine warning two is it condemning the world? And what is your hope? He became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Okay, Because once the flood is over, there is a new earth, and he becomes the heir of that earth. He and his family takes over. And the Bible says God can teach only the meek, and the meek will inherit the earth. The meek will inherit. There is a new earth coming, in when Jesus will come, and he will rule. And those who walk by faith are the ones who will inherit that earth. Okay, inherit that earth. Now let's go to Genesis chapter six, where we'll go one to seven and verse eleven. Because when you look at a man, even in the world, when we look at a man or when you look in the kingdom, especially when you talk about a man of faith or a woman of faith, you have to look at them in the in the environment they lived in. Like if you look at in the Hyderabad, children, children, children. Gently, 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 okay, gently. It will come up here. You can read it here, okay? okay. Um. you look up at the sky on a Hyderabad usual day, you don't see the stars. But you go down to the countryside, where it's absolutely dark, that's when the stars start really, really looking bright. Now the, the star was bright here too, only because we didn't see it because the diffusion of light. But there it was dark. So when you look at a man like Noah, you have to look at the environment he is living in. And then realize, boy, this was some man. I mean, I can't live. I don't think I would be able to survive in an environment like this. I mean, that's the kind of environment we are living in. Because the of, days of Noah is the day status we are warned about will be in the last days. So it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, so the daughters of men, and they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, all whom they chose. We'll not get into that. The daughters of men and the sons of God. But basically, I mean, uh, uh, technically speaking, angels cannot multiply. That's why the devil, That's this was a secret of god's creation of man which the devil did not realize understand I and mean, god's got all tricks up in his up his sleeve okay see uh, the angelic number the number of angels in heaven is still the same it's fixed they were created but what man or the, what the woman could do was that through man she could reproduce she could reproduce okay that is something which the devil did not figure That she could... That's why mankind, the population of mankind, is increasing. Okay? Angelic number is still the same. Okay? So, basically, what probably could have happened, we do not know so many theological takes, is that the demonic got into the men. Okay? The demonic got into... Because demons, remember, they look for a body. They call it their house. They are always looking for a house or a body. So, the demonic gets into the men because... Without a body, the spirits cannot experience our life. So they have to get into a body, whether you are into alcohol or any addiction or anything. The demonic gets in and lives it through you. Like Christ lives through us. Okay, God, Christ being a spirit. Okay, this Holy Spirit lives through us the life of Christ, the life of God. The demons get into our bodies and live their life through us. We become the, that's why the, our parts of our bodies were called Instruments of unrighteousness, now it becomes the instruments of righteousness. That's how it works. So basically, I believe that's what happened. The demonic got in, totally demon-possessed men, but in control. Okay, and they, see, and they create a different kind of species. The demonic and the human come together. And in the last days, that's exactly what we are seeing. That's exactly what we are seeing. And that's exactly what the Freemasons do. That's exactly what we That's why even in the Freemasonry, if you study about them and if you know about them, in the Freemasonry what happens is, the woman is the altar. And there are women set apart just to bring forth babies for the circle. And these children we do not know. Some of them are sacrificed, some of them grow, and they are the giants of this world. They are spectacular in any field. And it is not natural, it is demonic. It is demonic. Okay. And we need to realize we are living in a time of Noah where the human and the demonic has come together, literally come together. And we are living, never before in human history has something like this actually happened. There was the invoking of demons and all, but where the demonic and the human has actually come together, we have never seen. And there are tens and millions of them over there, over there. Okay, And that's where you see these multiple personalities in them. It's because it is demonic. It is demonic. And they are controlling the system now. So it has come to this point where the demonic starting to control the system. Control the system. And God is saying in verse 3, I won't strive with man forever. Strive with man. This 120 is not talking about the lifetime of man because after that also man lived for 900 years. It's not basically just talking about that dispensation. That dispensation. He says, you know what? I am pulling out. I am pulling out of this. So when that thing happens, you need to realize there is a withdrawal. That's why, I mean, you look at the young people, I mean, if you look at generally, I mean, our grandfather's told our fathers i don't understand your generation our fathers told us we don't understand your generation we tell but the fact of the matter is every generation is not getting better it's getting worse and absolutely i mean no twinge of conscience nothing at all and you need to realize it is the demonic controlling the airwaves and the minds and that's why faith is a fight It is not a small thing. It is a fight. And when you come down further, you will see the climate. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came in, the daughters of men, and they bore children. Those were the mighty men who were of old Men of renown. So at the time over there it is called, word, word is used is giants. And that's the same term we use today in terms of any field. Giant in industry, giant in movies, giant in sing. They're all giants. Giants. Okay. Not in stature, in size, but in their accomplishments. That is why you should be very, very careful not to watch some of the programs which you like. American Idol, British and all these idols, no? Honestly, if you have your senses cleared, you can look at even a child who is demon-possessed and doing the act. And it blows your mind off. And you know it is demonic. Some of them who sing, it is not natural. It is simply not natural. And everybody sees that it creates a craze in them. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Opening up doors ways. Okay. There is nothing normal out there anymore. That world is over. So you have to see the mighty men of the renown. And today, mighty men, women. And verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Okay. So it always begins with the mind. Where the mind goes today is where the body will go tomorrow. So he says the mind has been corrupted. Absolutely corrupted. The disc, you know, basic thing that works, it's been absolutely been corrected. And verse 6, six says, the Lord was sorry. I was telling the Nepali congregation, the word sorry in Hebrew is what is connected with a woman's labor pain. The Lord was sorry. He grieved the kind of pain. I mean, we wouldn't know, but you know what a woman goes through when she's having the pain. He was grieving that he made man on the earth and he was grieved In his heart. When he saw how his creation had gone wonky. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast. Creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them twice. It says. Verse Yeah. That's what. Okay. And verse 11 too. Okay. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Filled with violence. So you see the environment in which he is living. He's living. This is the environment which he is living. And that's the environment we are living. It's just, it's, it's just evil and violence. Permeating the entire atmosphere. Remember, God had won the days of Noah. See, Noah, uh, Matthew 24 and verse 37. And 38, 24, 37, and 38. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38. But as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day Noah. Meaning outwardly, if you look at it, life is normal. Inwardly, everything is evil and violent. Yes. That's what you're talking about. God sees the inside first. Inwardly, everybody is looking out only for himself. There is no love of God, nor love of man. Okay? There is no love of God or love of man. Everybody is looking out only for himself. And he says, till the day he entered. Till the day it entered. So that's, that's where we have to be very, very careful. It does not mean when the thoughts of every man is evil continually, the earth is full of violence, we are seeing riots on the streets. God says no. There will be riots. There will be pestilence. There will be famine. But life will continue as normal. Because the basic thinking of man is earthbound. That will never change. He's still thinking about eating and drinking and marrying and marriage until the day the Noah entered the ark. Nothing is changing. Okay? Nothing. Nobody is looking heavenward. Nobody is preparing for a judgment. So be careful. And in verse 8, Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, narrative changes. Suddenly the narrative changes. But okay, in the midst of this mess in the world, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. That's how the narrative changes. So we need to realize it does not begin with man. It always begins with God. If it begins with man, then it is not grace. If it begins with God, it is grace, so that no man will be able to boast. Even Noah will not be able to boast before God. You know what? God will say, No, it was the grace of God. Noah found grace. Why? Because if it is faith, it is grace. If it is grace, it is faith. If it is faith, it is grace. Romans five two and Ephesians two eight as proof two texts I will give you. Through also whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. Access by faith into what? Into this grace and uh, Ephesians two eight we are saved. Through faith, by grace, you have been saved through faith. That's the, again, there are, see, many things you can uh, test the genuineness of your faith. Is it money or grace? If you have money, you can do lots of good works in this world. You can do lots of things. We need money. But you have to look at whether it was grace or whether it was sheerly money. Because the proof of faith is that faith always accesses grace, and grace is the power of God. It is through faith, that through grace, money may have come. It is not through business manipulation, profit gain kind of a thing. It is not that. It is faith accesses grace. These are the proof tests of, of, of what you call, let, let's say, what is that name of that, uh, store in the U.S. that sells chicken, Chick-fil-A, Chick- 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 right, Chick-fil-A, Chick- okay, and they're closed on Sundays, and Sunday is the business day in U.S., especially if you have sports events, but they refuse to open on Sundays, and yet they're one of the largest booming brands in U.S., why, it is not money, it is grace, okay. or Colgate, we all, Colgate finally became the name for toothpaste. Not the, today's Colgate. The original Colgate, the man named Colgate who started it, right? Gave 10%, gave 20%, gave 30%, gave 40%, gave 50%, gave 60%, gave 80%, gave 90%, gave 95% as his company is back to the kingdom. And yet his, the 5% or 2% he keeps with him is more than the 90 he kept in the beginning. So it is not money, it is grace. Because faith accesses grace. Faith accesses grace. So you have to see, is it the kingdom working or is mammon working? Because mammon is also full of good works. Full of good works. The front of the Freemasons is good works. Okay. So we have to be very, very careful because one of the proof tests of faith is it accesses grace. So when the Bible says, Noah found grace in the sight of God, that means Noah had faith. Noah had faith. Because without faith, you cannot access the grace of God. So the question is, if Noah had faith, then we know. That's how you put it. It's a mathematical equation. Okay, I'm not good in maths, but I'm sticking with scripture. Okay, So Noah found grace. You access grace by faith. So Noah had faith. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the Word of God, you cannot have faith unless you have heard. Okay. If you do not have certain products in your home, it's because you never heard about it. <laughs> not yet. You haven't heard about it yet. <laughs> okay, this <laughs> obligation. You can't buy something you haven't heard about, right? That's why the Romans ten Paul will say, "How can they hear unless? Uh, how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless somebody preaches? How can somebody preach unless they have been sent?" So that is a simple mathematical equation. Okay, so Noah had faith. Question is, how did he hear? What did he hear? How did he hear? What did he hear? Okay, what did Noah hear? The thing is that when Noah was born. Enoch is already gone for 69 years. He's gone. Enoch is gone. And Enoch's son, Methuselah, is 369 years old when Noah is born. 369 years old. Names are not like Chinese names. In the Bible, names are uh, Chinese. And, uh, it may not make any sense to us. It makes a lot of sense to them. Okay, my Chinese church, when you are listening, Pastor, I'm sorry, okay? I'm not saying insulting you, but the Indians have the sense of uh, humor, okay? <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, they have, I mean, like my my sister-in-law, my own sister-in-law is Japanese. Her name is Chika Yurugi. It makes no meaning to you. but her name means 1,000 flowers, 10,000 trees. Okay, that's the meaning of that name, okay? So, okay, uh, but we have in Kerala two-syllable words. We have no clue what it means, right? Right, <laughs> ready, ready? <laughs> we don't know. Okay, so what I'm saying is the Hebrew names had meaning, had meaning. So, there is a man called Methuselah. And We know in simple, simple English for people to understand, it means... When this man dies, it will come. Judgment will come. Okay? So here is one man, I <laughs> talking about any man. You know that man? His name says when he dies, it will come. Judgment will come. Okay? Okay. So, it, honestly, everybody's eyes, he's the most, not popular, the most noticeable man on planet earth. Because when this, I believe that is the, it's just, it is not first, it was not the fear, it is the terror of the Lord that caused Enoch to walk with God. Because when Enoch, when Methuselah was born, God, he, prob- he heard from God, probably has to hear from God, name him Methuselah, and he understood the meaning. After that, every time the child cries, has a stomachache, has fever. The father is panicking because when he dies, judgment will come. I don't believe there was any child who was so well cared for and protected. (laughs) This guy should not die because when he dies, judgment will come. So Methuselah is around. A name is around. A person is around. When he dies, judgment will come. But his name, please understand, principle of the Bible. If you go to uh, James chapter 2 and verse 13. 2.13, James 2 and verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If this is God, then if Methuselah's name practically means, when he dies, judgment will come. But God is a God of mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment. Methuselah is not just speaking mercy or judgment alone he 's speaking mercy too because that 's god 's principle. If you go to Genesis chapter five and verse twenty seven you will see the principle of mercy triumphing over judgment. So all the days of Methuselah were nine hundred and sixty nine years, and he died. Why was he the longest living human ever? It was the mercy of God so Methuselah doesn't have to do anything. He will just live. Even if he tries to kill himself, he cannot die. Because God's mercy will keep him alive. Every time he tries to hang himself, the rope breaks. Okay, Methuselah should have lived now. He would have been a daredevil driver on a bike, no accidents. Because he will not die because of the mercy of God. Okay. We need to understand the other side of God. Yes, he is the God of judgment. But he will give us a long period of time to repent. But as the end is coming, the time is getting lesser and lesser. Why? Because when the demonic gets in, God says, you know what? My spirit shall not contend. Because the demonic is spiritual. The Holy Spirit is spiritual. He says, you know what? These people choose to go with the demonic. Then let me withdraw. Let me withdraw from this scene. So please understand how Methuselah would have influenced Noah, faith, you would have heard, okay? You have heard. Like Jacob was influenced by his father Isaac and Abraham. And Esau was influenced neither by Isaac or Abraham. He was influenced by the world he was wandering in because he never stayed in the tents. Who are we walk with, who are we listen to will influence us. So Noah is influenced primarily, I believe, by by his grandfather Methuselah, and then if you go to Genesis five and verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine, this is his father. Lamech lived one hundred and eighty-two years, and his son, and he called his name Noah. So Lamech is a depressed man. Hmm? Why? Because your father's name is Judgment. You will be depressed. <laughs> Honestly, okay, if your father's name is judgment, okay, (laughs) your father's name is judgment. And every time the father opens or walks, you are only reminded about judgment. Okay, he's a very depressed man. Okay, that is why his name actually means low. There are two Enoch's and two Lamech's in the Bible. One on the Cain side and the other on Seth's side. Okay, so Lamech lived 182 years and had a son, and he called his name Noah. I believe he too heard from God and said, you know what, name your son Noah. Why? This one will comfort. This boy will, this this man will bring comfort to us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Remember, the ground is cursed. And life is hard. Life is not easy. Except for the children here, I mean, when they ask you to study, they will say life is hard. But then whose life is easy? Whose life is easy? Only the baby is sitting over there, but they make their mother's life easy hard. But this life is not easy. Life is hard. Why is life hard? Because there is a curse on the ground in which we operate. Unless we know practically, only by faith these curses are broken. The minute, and it, it, we know how difficult it is to walk by faith alone. The minute you switch to sight, the curse starts operating upon your life. And the ground is cursed. Okay, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, and verse 17 and 18, just recapping quickly. three seventeen, and then we'll go to 4 also. Because you have healed, let's leave that. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. All the days of your life. Okay. Work has become toil. Okay. It's no longer, no longer. It doesn't matter. Even government changes everything and makes it into four-day week. They will make that day into 12 hours. They will get their quota of slavery out of you. Okay. Okay. So, it is toil. It is not, it is not, it is not work. It is toil because it is cursed. And it will produce two things. Your ground will produce things. Thorns and thistles. You now, remember we have heard all this. Thorns poke you. It hurts you. Thistles choke you. Okay. Basically saying because your ground is cursed, your relationships will be, because ultimately in every workspace, whether it's home or everything, is a set of relationships. It will bring two kinds of experiences into your life. One, it is it will cause pain. And su- second, it will suffocate you. It will suffocate you. Okay? Because you listen to the voice of the enemy. The snake bites and the python chokes. Because you listen to that fellow's voice, overruling what I told you you know what, this is how your ground will be. You will go through this unless Christ breaks the curse and we learn how to walk in it. It is added even more when you come to Genesis chapter 4, right? Genesis chapter 4, verse 10 to 12. Now it becomes worse. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Okay, so now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And verse 12, When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. Okay, Okay. vagabond, fugitive and a vagabond, meaning the spirit of a wanderer, spirit of a wanderer, okay. It's not only it produces pain, not only chokes the life and the energy out of you, you are also a spiritual wanderer. I mean, you may have all the reasons why you need to keep on switching jobs, but the fact is that for 6,000 years, mankind did not keep switching jobs like this. Today, to find anybody who has worked (laughs) in one job for two years is very difficult. Nobody sticks to any jobs. Okay? And... Because we are looking at our resources from our job and not from God, so we keep on. We are not being moved by God; we are moved by pressure. That's what I'm saying. We are not being moved. When God moves you, He takes you in peace. He establishes you. He builds you. But we are not being moved by God. We are moved by pressure. We are moved by circumstances. Okay. So the ground is cursed. We have to understand. Otherwise what will happen? We will reach the end of our life and realize the whole thing was a waste. Whole thing was a waste. The whole thing was. And we are not able to, at our deathbed, to be able to say like either Jesus, I have finished and I have brought glory to your name by the work I have done. Whatever work it is. Or like Paul, I have finished. Okay. So we have to be very, very Careful about it because this is not about salvation. This is about our eternity, our crowns over there. So life becomes hard. Okay. So Lamech also has a revelation. What is that? This child you have birthed will bring comfort. It will bring comfort. What is the comfort that Lamech is going to, Noah is going to bring? That God will judge that ground on which mankind is working finish it off cleanse it off with water then he will come to a new earth and the new life that begins over there will bring comfort for him because there is no presence of evil okay now typically speaking Lamech is speaking to us through the naming of Noah that every man Who actually has believed and died in his baptism and rises up. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. You have come out of that curse and everything is new for you. It is, life is not hurting you anymore. Life is not choking you anymore. And the blood of your brother is not crying out to you from the ground for justice because you have learned in the new covenant, I am my brother's keeper and I will suffer loss for my brother and I will not use my brother. That is how the curse is broken. If you don't understand, if you under- look at how the new covenant church began in the book of Acts, you will see there is no, there is no curse. There's no curse in that church. Because they've understood exactly how the spirit operates. There is no choking. There's no pressure. There's no work pressure. Nobody's worried about oh, what to do, how to... Everybody th- Because they have understood a new covenant life is different. And we cannot leave those things and say, okay, to us then, no. God says, I never change. And the kingdom never changes. So we have to look into these things and ask ourselves. So the question is, here is Noah. Here is Noah. Noah has heard. He has heard from his father. He has heard from his grandfather. Great-grandfather, grandfather they are all alive. Everybody is living 800 years, 900. Almost everybody lived 900 years. Then one person lived 895 years. The shortest in that generation other, other than Enoch was his own father, Lamech, who lived 777 years. Okay, so... Though he may be called low, he lived seven, seven, seven. What a number he lived, okay? So, don't disregard Mr. Lamech also. So, if you go to verse 9 of Genesis 6, you can have 8 and 9 together. He found grace in God's sight, and what is the result? Noah was a just man, okay? If we had put 9 in the place of 8, and 8 in the place of 9, we would get our theology wrong. We will say, Noah is a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah found grace in the sight of God. It is just never happens with anybody like that. You find grace with God, and then you become just. Then you become. That's Romans 5, one. Therefore, now we are justified by faith. Right? Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So Noah is a person who learned the lesson from Abel, too. He heard about Abel. But these are all great grandfathers. He heard that this is the only way. You see, what we call, I don't want to use that term, like we say, a traditional, not nominal. Nominal is a bad word. Traditional believer. Traditional believer have their traditions, which is very powerful tradition. I still remember as a young child, Growing up in my grandfather's house, we had this lane and uh, there was uh, all Christians, one Muslim family, one Hindu family, one Catholic family, ours, rest all Protestant families. But in the evening, as soon as it was dark, you could walk from one end of the colony to the other end. Every colony, irrespective of religion, people were gathered together and singing and praying. Today you walk in that same colony. You don't see anybody singing or praying. In a generation, life has changed. In one generation, everything has. In one generation, people all had small, smalls. My grandfather's house was the biggest house, one of the biggest houses over there. All small. Now you go there. My grandfather's house has been demolished. Okay. Everybody has big houses, cars, mansions, but no prayer. Early they all had small houses and they had prayer. Now everybody has big houses and no prayer, no singing, nothing. It's gone. Things have changed. Okay, So we need to realize this is the truth. So when you talk about a traditional believer, we are talking about, Paul talks about the traditions which he has handed over to you. They had a tradition of what you call calling upon the name of the Lord. You see, there is Adam, there is Eve, there is Abel, there is Cain, there is Abel, and Adam had many sons and daughters, and there is a third one mentioned called Seth. See, everybody's name is not mentioned among all the children, because the names connected with Christ alone are mentioned. But the Bible says, during the time of Seth, men started calling upon the name of the Lord. That is a traditional believer, that is continued. But it is when it comes to Enoch, you have what we call a man who walks with God. So you can be a traditional you need the traditional people who call upon the name of God so that a man will call upon the Lord and learn its life is more than this, I can also walk with God. Okay. So there are people who are calling upon the name of the Lord and then because if you like I mean it's a bad illustration, but if you look at the Kerala, the, the Pentecostal movement that happened in Kerala, they all practically came out of either the Marthamites or the CSIs. So there had to be a traditional base, those who called upon the name of the Lord. And among them, there were those who heard from God and they separated. They were walking with God and another movement started. Okay, So you have to look at it. Here is a man okay, who has heard about Abel, understood one fundamental principle which we should never ever forget. From the first day of our faith to the last day of our faith, There is no way we can go to God other than through the blood. It is the blood. There is no other way. It is the blood. That is the only way. We are justified only by the blood of Jesus. Okay. What does that mean? What does that actually mean if you go when Noah found grace in the eyes of God and he has been justified? Now go to Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Another familiar verse. Okay. We are looking at this word grace. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace. He can come boldly to the throne room of grace. So he found grace. He went and found grace in God's head. But the Bible says first we obtain mercy. We obtain mercy. You don't get grace first. You get mercy first. If you try to circumvent the doorway of mercy and try for grace, you will never receive grace. We'll never receive grace. We obtain mercy first. That means how do you obtain mercy? You obtain mercy only by putting your trust in the finished work of Christ, the blood of Jesus. If you go to Hebrews chapter twelve twelve twenty four. Right? Did I give it to you? Yeah. To Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So blood speaks. We need to realize blood speaks. Abel and Jesus' blood are the two blood that is put over. Abel's was the first blood to be shed from the first line of Adam. Jesus' blood was the first one's blood to be shed after the line of the Last Adam or second Adam, whichever way you want to call it. So first Adam's line, first blood to be shed is Abel. Second Adam's first blood to be shed is Jesus. But they speak different things. One speaks asking for justice. Abel's blood cries out. We saw in Genesis 4, if I'm right, in verse 11, it cries out. Jesus' blood also cries out. Abel's blood cries out for what? Justice. Jesus' blood cries out for let me ask you this question. Blood represents life. That is uh, uh, 1711. Leviticus 1711. 1711. Because in in the spiritual realm, there are Christ that goes. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you to make upon the altar to make atonement for your soul. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So the life is in the blood. The person is in, in heaven. The person's life In heaven is represented by the blood. And it speaks. The blood speaks. Okay? So Abel's blood, the, the innocent ones, the ignorant ones, the innocent ones who are oppressed by the others, their blood cries out for justice. Jesus' blood, innocent one, who is oppressed by the guilty, or cries out for Mercy. So if you look at the first person who dies after Jesus in the new covenant, who is that? What does his blood cry out for? Mercy. Mercy. Cries out for mercy. Cry has changed. And we need to ask ourselves, what is our cry? What is our cry? The new covenant has changed. The New Covenant, we are not crying out for justice because it's a day kept by God where every wrong will be put right. Our primary cry is first, the cry for mercy. God, mercy, mercy, mercy. Okay, And when we realize who God is and we understand God's nature, we will realize our need for mercy. Our need for mercy. Okay, I was trying to, I mean, if you have listened, you might have heard part of it over there. I was trying to tell that, that revival meeting on that day. That's why the Bible says, "His mercies are new every morning." Every morning, when we think about thoughts, when we talk about words, and when we talk about action—three things, okay? Thoughts, words, actions, attitude can take it all. All of us, every day, almost every minute, fall short of the requirement of God, and yet we need God. Because without God, we have no access to anything. But if we go to God, we go to God asking for mercy. Right? In the book of James, it says, If a man knows what is right and does not do it, it is sin of omission. Okay? That's how it happens in the garden. Adam did the sin of omission. Eve did the sin of commission. That is the difference between reason and emotion. Men are very reasonable, so they won't do anything. Okay. Women are full of emotions, so they do our work also. I mean, honestly, think about anywhere. Okay, now I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, this thing yet, okay. We have, uh, we have worship leaders, okay. We have three men and uh, one sister, one child, okay. So I said, I just said, you know, um, now onwards, uh, try to give the um, songs for the worship by Wednesday. The the girl is on the dot on Wednesday, the the song list has come. The men will reason it out by Friday evening, also it is okay. After all, practice is only on Saturday. Okay. Honestly, if you look at it anywhere, most of the places, no. Okay. But the problem is emotion cannot be in the front. Emotion is sex. That's why God said Eve is your helpmate. Meaning, leave you alone. I know how you will work in the garden. Okay. I need her over there to push you. Keep on pushing you to do things. Pushing you on to do things. Okay. That is what happened. Adam was asked to do two things. Tend and watch. Okay. And that's what he didn't do. <laughs> okay, that's what he didn't do. He didn't do that. When, when, uh, come here Harry, let's, let the world see you with your, okay, they see you anyway on the worship team, okay. Imagine he is Eve, okay, and he's beside her, the Bible says, he's beside her, and he's plucking the fruit, whatever it is. That's what he should have done. Stop it. What did God say? He didn't do that. He just stood there and watched it. Please it. Okay. He just, he didn't watch. His commission, his sin was a sin of omission. He did not watch what he was supposed to watch. Very clear instruction given. Do not eat from that tree. If you eat, surely that day you will die. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. And what did she do? She did what she was not supposed to do. This is typically if you put male and female, men are guilty of the sin of omission and women are guilty of the sin of commission. Ultimately, the woman gets frustrated. How long? This fellow won't move at all. I will go do it. That's what Rebecca did. This guy is blind. My Husband, he was a meditating man. Now if he doesn't meditate, now he doesn't pray, he is making his own decision. You know what? I will take the law in my own. Jacob, come here. I will tell you. You know what she did? Just commission. What is this man? Omission. Everywhere you will see this pattern flowing. So the ideal relationship is there where man makes his decisions and the wife supports him in it, and it works together. But this is how it happens. Otherwise, you know, that's why the Bible says Adam was not deceived. Adam was not deceived. The woman was deceived. So the question is, why did he eat? Why did he eat? The simple thing, why did he eat, is that because he loved his wife. He chose to die with her in sin. Jesus also loves his wife. He chose to die for her without sin, for her sin. Okay, That's why he was not deceived. He loved her and he saw her and he said, you know what, if you fall, I go with you. I'll go with you. Okay. I go with you. Okay. So she's not deceived. She's deceived because emotions, if you put it in the front, will always deceive you. Reason, it's very difficult to deceive reason because reason will ask questions. Why? Where, what, how, when, who said. It will ask all these questions and then reach a conclusion. So it's more difficult to deceive reason than to emotions. Emotions I feel, therefore I am. Reason I think, therefore I am. Okay. So we need to understand how it works. So therefore there is he. By faith, he comes through the blood. He comes through the blood. And that is how he's justified. Otherwise, he won't be a just man. He won't be a just man. He has understood. And we need to understand that, you know. Every day we are guilty of these two sins. Every one of us sitting here. We haven't done the things we were supposed to do. Haven't done. And we did things that we were not supposed to do. Even though we have heard a 500 times, we woke up in the morning and the first thing we looked was Facebook. I mean, if you have Facebook or your messages. Whatever, that is the first thing we went into. And the minute we did it, I mean, we are not condemned to hell, but we realized we didn't put God first. In a simple, practical way, we didn't. So we didn't do what the things we were supposed to do. We did things that we were not supposed to do. From there onwards, okay, in James chapter 1 and verse uh, chapter 3 and verse 2, okay, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is what a perfect man. Okay, so the question is: Stumbling in words also happen in two ways. The things we said we shouldn't have said, and the things we should say. We should. That's the problem with man. The problem with man that he will never tell his wife, "I love you." Because he's is very reasonable. Because he will think, if I tell her, I don't know what all she will ask from me. So he is very reasonable. Okay, But he will not say the things he is supposed to say. The woman, on the other hand, because she is emotional, she will say all the things which she should not say. But if you look at it, everyone is guilty before God because we did not say the things we were supposed to say. And we said things which we were not supposed to say either way, or omission and commission. so when you see that, we will realize, you know what the need for mercy, need for mercy, that we cannot just come into God and ask for grace when we haven't asked for mercy because you are entering into the presence of a holy God. The actual need for mercy, how much we need mercy. Okay, and that's why we—that's how we find grace. It's it's see, grace, like we talk about faith and grace. I mean, faith without grace is worth useless. It's useless if faith does not give you access to grace. Your faith is worth nothing. Okay. Oh, see how many ATM cards you have. Okay. Do you have money in your account? (laughs) No minimum balance. So three ATM cards, minimum balance every. What are you going to get out if you put it in? Nothing. The value of your ATM card or your credit card is equal to the money it gives you out, okay? So faith without grace is pointless. It's not faith, okay? But faith gives you access to grace. And God says, my grace is sufficient, okay, sufficient, sufficient. But the problem is, to access grace by faith, you have to access mercy first. That's why the Bible says in 1 John, if any man thinks... He's without sin. He makes God a liar. He makes God a liar. If 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 you basically, okay? Uh, basically it means this. If any man who woke up, this man, woman, man, child, underst- age of understanding, man, woman, or child thinks, I don't need mercy this today. That's how you woke up and you didn't ask for mercy. He makes God a liar. There is no truth in him. So it's this is, this is, that's uh, 1 John chapter 1 and I think it's verse 7 and 8. Think about it. Think about it. You know. That truth is not in us. And we did not ask God for mercy. That's not our first cry. Our first cry is all of our problems. God says, you know what? Your problems would just disappear in a second if I were to take you out of this world and you realize your biggest problem is you don't have mercy. <laughs> you think Your problem are your problem. Your problem is not that. Your problem is you do not have access to grace. And you do not have access to grace because you haven't cried for mercy. Haven't cried for mercy. Okay. And our biggest need every day, that's what the Bible says, is mercies are new every morning. And this is what God was talking about the days of Noah. Everybody is doing everything. And the day is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And finally, the family has got in. God's mercy kept it open for seven more days. And then he comes and closes the door. And Then they hear in human history the first clap of thunder. And the rain starts. And first they must have all run Oh, rain. What is First they all must have come out to see. Oh, nice, nice. We never knew water could come from the sky too. And then it started pouring, and they started getting into their houses. And like we see in our pictures, the water is rising. First floor is gone. Run to the second floor. If you have a second floor, water is rising, water is rising. They are saying, okay, this is dangerous. Let us run to that madman. But the door can't be opened. The door is shut from outside. It is not shut from inside because the age of reckoning is over. The door of mercy has closed. A certain period, Lord of mercy has closed. Now the fool becomes wise, and the wise become fools. But why did it happen? Because they were so caught up with their day-to-day life, they never, ever realized, I need mercy every day. The need for mercy, not for grace, mercy. It's mercy. And I need mercy. Without the mercy of God, I will not... Function. I cannot function. I'm, I'm just living on the mercy of God. And that was the message of Methuselah. 969 years. It was the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Okay. And we have to ask ourselves, it is mercy. How much, how much is our cry for mercy? And then solutions. God says, if only your cry for mercy was as strong as your cry for solutions, you would just be entering into the throne room of grace and receive the grace for every need. That is what made Noah a just man. Because you are justified by faith in the mercy of God. Because in Romans 9.15, if I am right, this is what God says. I will have mercy on whom I want to have mercy. I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. We have no right to mercy. No control over it. No control over it. Even if you fall on your face before God, doesn't mean you will receive mercy. There's no guarantee you'll receive mercy. Like we know, we have heard it so many times. Look from Pharaoh onwards, the number of people down to Judas who said, I have sinned. Nobody received mercy. Only David received mercy. But if you look at it, David's sin to be worse than all the others, but he received mercy. It is God, it is his privilege. Because he looks into our heart, he looks into our mind, he looks into everything and he says, okay, not that you deserve mercy, but I will, I will show you mercy. Okay, and this is one of the fundamental lessons we need to, because we will see after that in, in that same verse in verse 9, he was a just man, blameless in his generation, and he walked with God. He walked with God. Okay. He walked with God. And you need to understand this thing. How will you know you are walking with God? How will you know you are walking with God? Your mercy. The more you walk with God, the more merciful you become. Lesson. Primary sign, you don't become unrighteous. You become righteous. Okay? Yet you become merciful. Righteous and merciful. That's the symbol of walking with God. You understand the justice of God. But you will also realize mercy triumphs over justice. And you leave justice into God's hands. And you will try, try to walk in mercy towards others. That's how you know you walk with God. Because everything has evidence. Like I said, the, the Bible has empirical data. It's empirical data. Because we need to know these empirical data that is how we make our calling and our election sure. Said so you can make this calling and election sure. How do you know? Where does your confidence come from? How does your confidence come from? Think about David. He's won all the wars. Everything is addressed. He's winning war, 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 war. And the first thing he does as a king after getting everything is that: Who is from the household of Saul to whom I can show what mercy? See, like I said, no. It is only kings can show mercy. Ordinary citizens cannot show mercy. And we are to be called kings and priests. Saul was a king, but he had the heart of a scoundrel. David was a shepherd boy, but he had the heart of a king. It is the heart that determines, not the head, not the crown. You see, he had the heart of a king. You look through the word of God. Tell me, that's why God was upset with him over Uriah. He said, you didn't show mercy. He said, if you wanted women, I would have given you all the women in the world. But when it came to Uriah, you did not show. Mercy, that is not my king. But other than that, you look through his life. Show me one person. He did not show mercy. Even Shammai who threw dust at him, he said, leave it alone. If that's what God wants, let it be. Tell me one person. And he had the power. We do. We say we show mercy because we have no power. <laughs> False mercy. But he had absolute power as a sovereign. And he showed. His soldiers said, shall we take the head off? And they said, no. Put your shirt back. Let's see. Okay. These are things which we need to understand. Because these are fundamental things. How did Noah walk with God? How did Enoch walk with God? What does a man become if he walks with God? One, he becomes just. He understands the righteousness of God. Meaning, he, that First uh, Corinthians eleven thirty-one. How do you become? There is a justice, righteousness imputed by you, by faith. If we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So what does that man do? He doesn't judge others. He judges himself, constantly judges himself. Constantly judging himself. He's not judging others. Unless you are in top of an apparatus or an organization you are making according to your office, not personal capacity, according to your office. That's a different judgment. That is a judgment of the office. We are not talking about... The judge sitting in the criminal court will say, No, I will not judge anybody. I will only judge. And they will throw him from the seat, appoint somebody else. Because his job is to judge. Because he's been given an office. We are not talking about that. We are talking about a personal level. What does he do? He judges himself. The more he judges himself in the light of God's word and his spirits, he becomes more and a more just man. He becomes a just man. Second thing he does is that he tries to be blameless in his generation. I don't have to be blameless in my father's generation. I have to be blameless because my interaction is with my generation. My interaction, you are living in your generation. So in your interaction, your conduct, your ways, your dealings with your generation, question God says, you cannot be perfect, but you can be blameless. Are you blameless? Without blame. Without blame meaning when you have gone wrong, you make amends. You make amends, okay. You cannot change your past, but you can do something about it if you can. That's what Zacchaeus does. He says, from everyone I have stolen, I'll give four times over and half. And God says, salvation has come. You're blameless. Now it doesn't matter what the rest of the people say. You're blameless in my sight because you have made amends. These are the three things that is mentioned about him. This is the account of Noah. What does it mean? There is this lesson of grace. Grace First, brings salvation. You are saved from the penalty of sin. Okay. Second, grace teaches. Titus will say, grace teaches. Will teach you about his righteousness, his holiness. Grace will empower you, teach you how to walk with God. And after that, you will see God will speak to Noah, telling him what to do. What does it mean grace will empower you to do the works that God had prepared for you to do It's all the work of you cannot have one facet of grace and the rest missing no grace is a complete picture complete picture It's a complete let's let's go into Genesis over there I want you to read uh, verse 13 and 14 God said to know, only after that, when he sees, you know. See, we want God to tell us everything in the beginning. He says, walk with me for some time. Walk with me. Okay, you walk with me for some time. We don't realize walking with a person, like early in the morning, if you are in the habit of rising in the morning, you will see all the people going for early morning walks. Some people go alone and they have a headphone. They are also listening to somebody. Some people walk in companies, and you will always see they are with the same person. And they are not just walking, they are walking and talking. So, when it says, Enoch was walking with God, it actually means he was fellowshipping. Not that they were going for early morning walks, but he could have gone early morning. Walking and talking to God and God talking to him. So when it says he was walking with God, it's primarily talking about fellowship. If you go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 10, if I'm right. They heard the sound of the Lord Walking in the garden and the cool of the day, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And verse 9, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. There's two things mentioned over there. One is walking and the other is his voice. This was the usual format. Cool of the day, evening and the morning was the first day. So the first thing, God comes and he walks and he talks with them. That was their fellowship. And you will realize, I'm, I'm honestly telling you, show me who you actually talk to most of the time. I will tell you who you are. Your fellowship will ultimately determine who you are. Fellowship will determine ultimately who you are. And God is calling us to fellowship with Him so that we will, you cannot become like God without fellowshipping with Him. That was the entire purpose of human creation. Adam and Eve and the children would walk with God and become like God. Instead, they walked with the devil and became like him. Okay. That is the whole purpose. Okay. It's only out of that walk God will tell us what to do. First, he says, walk with me. Learn of me. Learn from me. This is who I am. This is how I do things. That's what Jesus is talking about. I don't do anything on my own. I hear, I see, and I replicate How does your work of salvation come out, Jesus? From my walk with my Father. That's what God is talking about. So there is a walk. And in that walk, there is a talk. And just for a few seconds, on a normal day, let's take God out of the picture. God out of the picture. Who is that you talk most to? Outside of God, that person is the most influential person in your life. Who is that you talk to most or listen to most in your life? Point that person or persons out and then see what those voices have done to you, for the better or for worse. That is what God asked the second question. Who told you? And third question, what have you done? Don't everything fellowship don't matter. Fellowship matters, positively or negatively. The people to whom you talk, And you listen to will ultimately cause you to become into something else. So here is Noah walking with God. And Genesis uh, 6, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, God said to him, now God is speaking. End of all flesh has come before me. For the filled with violence, I will destroy. But he says, but for yourself, for yourself, every person who walked with God in the Bible, connected with the last days or judgment. They heard from God because of their walk. You know, walked with God and he heard about the first coming, second coming, everything in you. Because he walked with God. Noah walked with God and God told him about the judgment that was coming in his time. Abraham walked with God and God told him, can I go without telling you about the judgment that is coming? You see, they all had revelation of the judgment because of their walk. Because of their walk. And we are looking at the final judgment of all judgments. And God says, you are children of light. Children of light. That they should not catch you by unawares. Okay? Right? Should not be. Who are the children of light? 1 John 1, seven. What does it say? If you are in the light, you should. You should ah, that is the key. You walk and you have fellowship. The proof of light is you walk and you have fellowship. If you are in the light, we have fellowship. And the blood of Jesus is brought over there. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Because if you are really walking with God and walking with one another, you will realize the need of mercy. You will be merciful. Most people don't talk to people because they cannot be merciful. I am telling you one of the fundamental issues of communication, breakdown. That's why people like social media. Our fathers never needed social media because they talked to each other. We don't talk to each other because we are not a merciful generation. We do not forgive. We have the memory of an elephant. We store things in our database and we will not, huh, who, who, who will say that. We make monosyllables. We don't talk. We don't talk. You know why? Because we are not able to fellowship. Because we, it's like this carpeted room, we have swept everything under the carpet and only the day the carpet cleaner comes to clean it, we will realize the amount of dust that has accumulated in our relationships. We do not deal with issues. We do not deal with issues. Therefore, we do not communicate. So we prefer to communicate to others who do not challenge us. We choose fellowships that does not challenge us. Because communication challenges. If you have to communicate to your spouse, it challenges you, because your spouse knows you. Adam and Eve communicated to each other. The Bible says they were naked and not una- and unashamed. Why? Because nothing. But the minute communication broke down, they started hiding from each other and blaming each other. Hiding and blaming. No communication. No communication. And everything goes, everything breaks down, everything breaks down after that. We need to understand these are fundamental. So don't take it very lightly when it is written, Noah walked with God. It's a huge, huge thing that Noah walked with God. Because you know what, if you can fellowship with God, then you can be merciful with man. 600 years, 100 years, 120 years of building this monstrosity, you can have that patience simply because you have the mercy of God in your heart. Otherwise, you will not keep on building this building. When you see nobody is going anywhere, nobody is interested. Why are you building? Why are you building? Because the mercy and the patience of God has been imparted into your heart because you're walking with Him. You're walking with Him. And then God comes and says, you know, for yourself. And your family, make an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Cover it inside and outside with pitch. We will come to that another day. Verse 15. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width 50 cubits. And its height 30 cubits. Let us leave that cubits aside. It is some measurement. Okay. It is almost one and a half size of a football ground. Now look at this thing. It is not anything like the pictures you see. If you want to look, ask, simply look, what did the ark look like? It looked like a shoebox. It did not look like a boat. It looked like a shoebox. No shape. No design. That's it. No rudder. No steering wheel. No sail. Nothing. Look at what God is asking him to build. Are you getting it? What is God asking him to build? Is built something which has no, sh- no, nothing to attract the eye to. No, no sail, no rudder, nothing, because it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Where it is not going anywhere in this world, it is taking you to another place. So don't worry if your career is not going anywhere, but make sure your soul is going somewhere. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes. Don't be so worried about your career. Because everybody who boasts about their, is about their accomplishment, the question is where is your soul going? Good ark represents Christ. And Isaiah 53 verse 1 and 2 represents Christ over there. 1, 2, 3, if I'm right. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's true. Noah would have said the same thing. Who has believed my report? To whom has the arm of the Lord? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a shoot out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. If you looked at the ark, you didn't want to live in it. Who wants to live in a shoebox? That was later anyway. The sting came later. But there is no design. And the simple thing is that the preaching of the gospel, of the cross, there is nothing attractive about it. One man came down, claims to be God, hung on a cross and he says, believe in me. I'm mean, I mean, The simplicity of the cross. Please understand this. The patterns have never changed. This ark is going nowhere. Because it was meant nowhere. Go nowhere. Its entire purpose of that ark is to protect you. When judgment comes, I will go to this church, because when I have here, the people in this church are going places. Which places? Places. The the purpose of the church is to see that you are taken safely from this life into the next life. That's all. And fight the powers of darkness and occupy the space that has been given to you. That's the purpose of the church. But if you bring the world into the church, you will get disappointed. And that's why the people saw it. But they didn't get him. They didn't get him. But God spoke to him. So he had the worship of Abel. He had the walk of faith. The worship that comes from faith. The walk that comes from faith. And he has now the work that comes from faith. And if I'm right in verse 22. 21 or 22. The last verse. Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. He now had the obedience of it. Faith. faith has many facets. Because if grace has to come there, you need to have worship. You have worship. Two, you need to have a walk. You need to have a work. And fourth, you will see he has a witness. Peter will say he was a preacher of Righteousness. He has a witness. He's not ashamed to witness in his generation. Nobody believes so what? The message changes. Mm-hmm. Message of judgment does not change. Doesn't matter whether people believe or not. The message is not of you, it is through you, but from God. Okay, if I'm right, it is uh three five or uh, yeah, three five if I'm right, second Peter three five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of ungodly. So he had worship that comes from faith. He had a walk that comes from faith. He had a work that comes from faith. He had obedience that comes from faith. And he had a witness that comes from faith. That's all God is asking us to do. Nothing else. Because the ark is Christ. The ark is Christ. We got into that ark. When we got saved, But we are getting in and getting out. Getting in and getting out. Because the door is not closing. God says, be very careful. The day and the hour. When you went out for one trip, the door closed. That is what happened to the five foolish. Okay, It's a different kind of It's not a physical structure. It's a spiritual structure. So you have to be very sure. If you walk in mercy, you are inside. And not flitting in and out. This morning we will stop there. But keep this picture, okay? We'll continue with Noah. We haven't even touched Noah. Because the most important part over there is is um, chapter 6 and verse 13 or 14. Yeah, 14. Verse 14 is the most important line up. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Not that. Cover it inside and outside with pitch. That's the most important. The Hebrew root word for pitch is the same for atonement. Atonement. See that inside and outside, you're walking in true, genuine forgiveness. Otherwise, when the judgment comes, the waters of, waters of judgment will get in. Doesn't matter how wonderfully you built, ultimately salvation, repentance, did you put in every crack? Go through your life and see, do I have resentment against anybody? Sealed outside and inside. Anybody sealed atonement. That's the first statement of the Son of God on the cross. Sealing it with pitch, the work of salvation. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. He sealed salvation, his own salvation. He's not dying as an unforgiving man. He's dying as a forgiving man. Sealed it with pitch, inside and outside. Inside sealed, outside sealed. Spoke it out and said, I forgive them. Stephen seals it as he is leaving planet Earth. He says, Lord, do not hold it against them. Standing in the courtroom, Paul says, I do not hold it against them. Sealing it with pitch inside because these are the most important things in eternity. How is your ark? Is it sealed with pitch because in a time and a season like Noah, when the earth is full of violence, and every thought and attitude is inclination is towards violence, to walk in mercy is not easy. What is the genuineness of your faith? That is the genuineness of faith. Because it is talked about that generation, one will be in the bed and one will be taken. Who was the one who was taken? The merciful one. <laughs> Two were in the office, one was taken. Who was the one who was taken? The merciful one. Be careful about these things. That is what the Bible says about Noah. With godly fear, he built his ark. Godly fear, he built his ark. So, let's continue building the ark. It's not finished yet. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank You. We just want to praise You. We just want to worship You, Lord. We realize, Father, every second, every moment of the day, our need for mercy. Mercy, 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 Lord. We fall short of that mark every day. The word, in deed, and thought, in attitude. Nothing is hidden from Your sight, as Your Word says. Everything is open before whom we'll all have to give accounts one day. Mercy, 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 Lord. Thank you, Lord, you have been so patient and long-suffering with us. As in the days of Noah, as your servant Peter says, God waited with long-suffering. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your mercy towards us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Help us, Lord, to be merciful too. Yes, the world is full of wicked people. And if it wasn't for your mercy, we would have been one of them. We are not one of them only because of your mercy and your grace. Even then, we deserve much more judgment and many of them as you told Israel. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, those cities would have been here till now. We who have heard much experienced the love of God so much that we are not merciful sometimes like the Gentiles around us are kinder, more merciful, more generous than us, more loving. How far we have fallen short of that mark of Christ. We need mercy. And we need more grace, O Lord. More grace. Strengthen our faith. Increase our faith. Not for things, Lord, but for grace to overcome. Grace to overcome. For only through grace we can overcome, Lord. Come into your church into their hands. Through this day, we tell you to come tonight, today. You give us another day to gather in your house tomorrow. We come full of mercy, full of grace. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. Bless your people in your name. May your hand be there upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.